Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. At the start of the year, I took my church through the letter to the Galatians. Now, this letter is short, but it's full to the brim with content. So enjoy as we grapple with how big Jesus is and how he changes everything. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we saw this morning that it's trustworthy and reliable. So, Father, we pray that you would speak to us through it this evening. Amen. Amen. So, Galatians chapter 3, verses 15 to 4, verse 7. The big question I have for you is, how big is your view of Jesus? How big is your view of Jesus? Last Sunday, we saw Paul challenge the Galatian readers to get a better view of Christ crucified, to realise that faith had always been the way, and that by believing in the, underlined in bold, gospel, was the route to blessing. Because Christ crucified had taken the curse, and then back in verse 14, just before where we started, he, Jesus, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, it's important to realise that this letter would have been read in one go. So our passage this evening carries on directly from where we were last week. And Paul is carrying on his argument from Scripture. And to do that, he shows us that he's done his Bible overview. This passage, as well as others, helps us to see how important it is to grasp the storyline of the Bible. So that we can ask that question from weeks ago. What time is it, Mr. Wolf? So that we can have a bigger view of Jesus. So that we can see that Christ crucified changes everything. So we're going to work our way through this passage. And the first thing we're going to see is that blessing comes through promise, not through the law. Now Paul takes us back to the story of Abraham. If you know the story, God made promises to Abraham. We're going to see those on Wednesday in our growth groups. And these promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. You see that up there? And if we follow the major plot line of the Bible, we find that 430 years later, Paul says that in verse 17, Moses went up the mountain and he brought down the law. And what Paul is saying here is that the promise that was made to Abraham was not affected by the law given to Moses. The promise was made through grace, and the law didn't change that. So if that's the case, and we're following Paul's argument, it should lead us to the question, why then was the law given at all? If we're thinking that, it shows us that we're tracking along with what Paul is saying. Because that's the question Paul is expecting, if you have a look at verse 19. And Paul says the answer to that question is, it was added because of transgressions. Now to put that simply, and a lot of people have spent a lot of time here, the law basically drew the boundary lines. You see, you can't trespass onto a property unless the boundary lines have been drawn. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that the law showed the lines. It showed the boundaries that shouldn't be crossed. And every time someone crossed over that line, well, they knew they'd done it. As I say, we could spend a lot more time there. I'm happy to wade with you through that at some point if you like. But let's keep tracking with Paul's argument. If the law was there to mark the boundary lines, and it relied on obedience rather than faith, well, doesn't that mean that it's opposed 
to the promises of God. That's the next question Paul expects the Galatians and expects us, if we're following him, to ask. And Paul's answer to that is there, it says, absolutely not. Instead, the law was playing an important part in God's plan. See verse 21? It says that the law couldn't give life. We saw that already back in chapter 2, verse 21. You see, that wasn't the point of it. Instead, Paul shows us two reasons for the law, two reasons that are well worth our time grasping. The first, in verse 22, is that of a prison guard. Paul says that everything was under the control of sin. And we see that throughout the Bible, don't we? Everything was affected by sin. And if sin is like the fortress surrounding the people, well, the law's there like the prison guard, making sure the door stays locked. The second image we get is that of a guardian, or, to bring it into modern English, a babysitter. Now, as a child, when my parents would go out for the evening, I had a babysitter. Her name was Jean. If you were at my wedding, you might have met her. She was a lovely uh, older lady from my old church. She would make sure that I got to bed on time. She'd make sure that I did my homework. She'd make sure that I ate my dinner. And Paul is saying that the law is like a babysitter, looking after the Jewish people. But did you see the one word in there that came up again and again? The word that Paul's used in both of those pictures. Let's have a look, go back and see it. So verse 23. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. And in verse 24. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. You see, the law was there to do those jobs for a set amount of time. It was there until Christ came. Do you see that? You see, it'd be strange for Jean to still be looking after me now, wouldn't it? I don't know what Izzy would think of this older lady from my old church was still making sure I ate my dinner and making sure I went to sleep. The law was a prison guard until Christ. The law was a babysitter until Jesus came. So I go back to that question from the start. How big is your view of Jesus? Well, Paul's saying that Jesus' coming fulfilled the promises to Abraham and it brought an end to the law's job of prison guard and babysitter. Well, those are big things, aren't they? Pretty big things. But there's more. What's the result? We're going to spend most of our time here. Have a look at verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For the Galatians to go back under the law would be foolish. They'd be foolish Galatians. It'd be like stepping backwards in time. It'd be as if a North Korean dictator, uh, not dictator, defector, you could have a defecting dictator, I guess, but a defector came to the UK. It'd be foolish for them still to live as if they're under the laws of North Korea. Instead, in Christ Jesus, they are all children of God through faith. Paul is saying here that those in Christ Jesus are children of God through faith. They have full status as God's people. For those who have put their faith in Jesus, shown through baptism, those who've clothed themselves with Christ, and that leads us to verse 28, 
This verse is astounding, but we tend to lack it, lose its force because we tend to pluck it straight out of context. But hopefully you see here what Paul is saying in light of everything else, everything that's come before. He's saying in Christ there's perfect unity. He says there's no Jew or Gentile. That's the Galatians problem, isn't it? No, they're one in Christ. There's no slave or free. No, they're one in Christ too. Not even a difference between male and female. In Christ, all are united. Now, it's pretty obvious those distinctions aren't abolished. We still have Jewish people today. We still have Gentile people today. Despite what society says today, we still have male and female. But in Christ, there is unity. Because all, no matter who they are, if they believe in Jesus, they're united in Christ. And that points us back to what happened earlier in Galatians, why it was an issue for Peter to eat only with the Jews. Because if everyone is united together, all are one in Christ, well, eating together shows that, doesn't it? And being one in Christ, being united to Christ, belonging to Christ, as Paul says in verse 29, well, that makes you Abraham's seed and heirs. Verse 29, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to promise. You see, all the promises of the Bible are made, well, all the promises made belong to Christ because he is the seed of Abraham. And all those promises only come to us because we're united to him. That's how Paul's talking about the two ways of using seed there. And Paul explains that further in verses 1 to 7 of chapter 4. He carries on with the idea later in the letter as well. But for now, let's just pull out the highlights. You see, God had a plan throughout history. We saw that earlier with the promise to Abraham and the giving of the law. But verse 4... When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. So when the set time had fully come, you see, God had already planned to do this right from the beginning. God sent his son. Notice the word sent there. It hints that the son already existed fully God born of a woman so there's a time when he was born so he's fully human too born under the law that's born into a world that is ruled by sin as we saw earlier to redeem those under the law to save those who are under the curse that we might receive adoption to sonship just like the musical Annie we go from being abandoned and poor to being adopted by God and given all of his riches. How amazing is that? How big is your view of Jesus now? And because of that, because we were adopted, God sent the Spirit, verse 6, something the Galatians know they've received. We saw that last week. And that means if you have the Spirit, if you are a believer, you can call God your Father. As Paul summarises in verse 7, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you're his child, God has made you also an heir. That's always been God's plan. Yes, it took years and years and years. It took promise. It took law. But Jesus is the culmination of it all. 
everything promised came to Jesus. And since we're united to him, it becomes ours too. We are no longer slaves, but heirs. We're no longer abandoned, but adopted. We're no longer divided, but united. We're no longer dead and hopeless, but alive and with hope. And all those things come to us through Christ crucified. How big is your view of Jesus now? Well, there's some things to chew on. Why not let me know what you think by sending an email? The details are in the show notes. But until next time, get on with praising God this week. Yeah.